Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? Higher Learning is on. It is I, Van Lathan. And it's me, Rachel Lindsay. It's Van Lathan feeling a little better today. Than you I was seem it. Anyway. There's, yeah. a, there's like a, a pep in your voice. You know, you yeah, seem upbeat. Your eyes seem more full of life. Good. Uh, we uh, It was Kalika's birthday last night. We did a surprise birthday party. Aww. Yeah, her friend Shara and me. Shout out to Shara and uh, Sierra. Was she and surprised? She was definitely surprised. And yeah. Tears. They made a video and all that stuff like that. It was, it was very good. It's very good. The birthday madness is over now. I know you had a birthday yesterday, too. How was your birthday? Rach. My birthday was good. It was chill. I worked. And then Brian and I had a nice dinner together. You know, because Brian hasn't been here. I was realizing that we really haven't been on dates. So it was nice to actually go on a date, uh, have some alone time. And then this weekend, we're going to have a quick getaway. Where are you guys going? Before it's a surprise. We talked about this. Oh, you told, we did. You told me it was Fresno. Fresno. You told me it was Fresno. It is Fresno. He Shout let out to it the slip. He yeah. let it slip. It's not Fresno. It's Santa Barbara, which I've never been. Mm. So I'm excited. Yeah. Okay. No, yeah. you don't like it. You don't like it's, Santa Barbara. It's, it's beautiful, but the food is not great. But you know um, me. I'm not a foodie, so it's like I'm just yeah. gonna be lit. I'll be honest. There's one place that I go. Uh, it's Santa Barbara's great. It's a nice little getaway. They got they got these little bed and breakfasts there, you know? And I always like staying at a place like a bed and breakfast because when you're black, they don't ever expect that you would stay there, right? And they don't. And you could tell. Because, like, black people, when was the last time you heard, like, a brother or a sister talking about, man, this is a delightful little bed and breakfast that we stayed at? We do. <laughs> you do. You guys go to a bed and breakfast. Bed and breakfast. See, here's the thing. There are all of these delights. There are all of these delights that like white people are hoarding like for secret themselves. Delights. Secret yeah. white delights. Yeah. yeah. Things that they won't share, right? Like, okay, one is freedom, you know? Oh, obviously. Two, uh, top yeah, of the list. Two, uh, two is just like a bed and breakfast. It's like, it's almost like where they freedom. go, just they just go and they chill. Like my homies do stuff. Like my homie was, I think I talked about this one time. I called one of my homies and I, he was building a bird feeder for some birds out back in his place. How fucking relaxing does that sound? That actually sounds like my worst nightmare because I have a fear of birds. So in no way, you lost me. You lost me. Can you think about sipping on a crisp beer in an no. autumn Louisiana uh, uh, afternoon and building a bird feeder? You're working with your hands. You're smelling the wood. You're doing all kinds of stuff like that. It's just relaxing. Have you done this yet? No, but it felt it, it felt like something that I should be doing. He's outside. He's around nature. Other birds are chirping. Dogs are barking. It, that's the kind of shit that keeps your blood pressure low. So you that's, think white people are keeping that from us as well? I think, like, <laughs> like, I know a lot of people who do crafts, right? But we should yeah. do more crafts. But you know what? We don't have a, we don't have, we don't have really, it's like, Trauma takes up a lot of this stuff. And it, it, I'm serious. So we don't have time to think about bed and breakfast. You, the, you don't have don't. The, that's like, yeah, you don't have the liberty to do that. The freedom, the space to just Fuck relax that. in that way. Bed and breakfast. I get it. The I Jasmine it. Inn was the place that me and Kalika stayed in. in, uh, in Santa I've Barbara. heard about that. Delightful little place. They had beds, and then the next morning, you know and what they, they had? And they had breakfast. <laughs> they had breakfast. They, they, I love they, a bed and breakfast. They came out, and the woman dropped off this little... I, it was such a... 
Kalika. Yes. Come here. Let me get Kalika on this. See if she remembers. See if she remembers this. This delightful moment. Kalika, come here. I'm not making my presence on camera. Okay, that's fine. You don't have to get on camera. <laughs> Do you remember the bed and breakfast that we stayed at in Santa Barbara? Uh huh. Wasn't it nice? Yeah, they left us a little picnic basket. A little picnic basket of breakfast. Sounds beautiful. Is what they left us. Kalika, is the food good in Santa Barbara? It's pretty good. She says pretty good. I say it's whack. Like I, uh, I, you know, we, we haven't. I'm going haven't for the experience. A, well, go for the experience. Go to the yeah. beach out there, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. I love Santa Barbara. Are they rage out there. What was the name of that steakhouse? Holden's or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, I'll tell you all about it when we get back. Yes. Tell me all about yes. it. Black people, bed and breakfast. They drop a little basket off, and it had the breakfast <laughs> in it, and then we ate the breakfast. And I felt like I was supposed to be in America. It's great. You know, was it? How many people were there? Like, how many people did it hold? Was it like really, really small? Where it was just you? It. I think. And it, I think the rules were, it could hold ten white people and one and a <laughs> half blacks. They had a rule that you could. Who was half? Who was half the person? Kalika, of course. Okay, you know what? She's, she's smaller. <laughs> she's smaller than me. No, people were. I'm just joking about the Jasmine Inn. Everybody go to the Jasmine Inn. The people were lovely, lovely people. I just have that never nice. heard of any of my other homies going to a bed and breakfast. I'm like, this is the yeah. type of shit that I'm talking about. I just want to live in the well, country. We do it. We grew up doing it. Hey, oh, you, oh, your family grew up going to. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know. Oh, what was this? When like, we would go when we would go to Louisiana. Like we would take these trips, uh-huh. load up this van, take these trips mm. to like Atlanta right. to go see if either we were dropping my sister off at college or we mm. were going to see, you know, like Martin Luther King Memorial. And then we would like take it and go up to D.C. And then we take it. We go to Dayton, Ohio. And then you guys come had back a van. So you go. Wait, wait. You go to Washington, D.C., Atlanta. And these are multiple trips. These are multiple Dayton, trips. Ohio. OK, go that's ahead. where the family reunion was. So oh, we would okay, take the long way to get mm-hmm. there. And mm-hmm. so we would stop along the way at these places. Or like when we go to visit our family in Homer. Nor- Northern Homer, Louisiana. Louisiana. Yeah, Homer, Louisiana. We stay in a bed and breakfast. Interesting. Yeah. So I can imagine these trips with the judge behind the wheel. You guys are driving in the judge. We had the TV. This one used to have the TV in the van. The this little is way TV. back then. And we'd make a, a bed. Instead mm-hmm. of the seat, we'd, have, we'd all have a bed in the back. Yeah. And then the judge is like... All right, guys, we out here on the road. <laughs> I would like the entire family to join me in this rendition of Wade in the Water. Daddy, I love <laughs> Wade in the Water. Daddy, I love to sing Wade in the Water, Daddy. That that's my favorite. happened. Wade in the Water. <laughs> Take it, Rach. Someone's going to trouble the water. Her children. <laughs> Y'all just driving along. Ah, the good old day. <laughs> Negro spirituals on your way to see Dr. King. That's a movie. The family loads up in a van on the way to see Dr. King. And this is true. And the judge, that's story. a movie. That's a movie. Shout out to the judge, <laughs> man. Shout out to the judge. All right, you guys, big show. We got Amari Hardwick um, on the show today. He is this is an amazing talent and uh, the star, one of the stars of the upcoming movie, Army of the Dead. 
Mm-hmm. Um, directed by Zack Snyder, starring Dave Bautista and our guy, Amari Hardwick. So we're going to get to that interview with Amari Hardwick right after we come back. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Consummate professional Amari Hardwick. Listen, listen, you guys know. You, you know me. You know I love television. I've been watching this brother for such a long time. We've seen him in so many different things. My personal favorite role of his ever, though, uh, is in Sorry to Bother You. Oh, I love that, bro. I it was like a movie that I really, really loved. He's got a new one coming out, That's Army cool. of the Dead, directed by Zack Snyder. Higher Learning, give a welcome to Amari Harwick, my brother. How are you doing Thank today? you, my brother. I appreciate y'all having me, man. Higher Learning. It's no better title than that. So I hope y'all copy. I hope you copyright that, because I might take that. Did we? Did we? No, now that we know, now we'll we'll do it after the podcast. Thank you for that. I don't know after the podcast. I just texted somebody. They working on it now. (laughs) Working on it. You're like, I gotta get that. I gotta nail that. Gotta get that. (laughs) So, my man. Um, first things first. I'll ask you the same question I ask uh all of the black people that I talk to these days. First question is, how are you doing mentally, spiritually, physically? Everything that's going on. How are you doing? Um, I'm at a, I'm at a real, that's a great question. I will answer uh, the question with, with your question. Like they tell us to do, right? Like I'm gonna do that for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm, uh, you, you ask how I'm doing. I feel like there was never a moment where I was mistaken that, you know, God in terms of wanting me to use this hefty bag of gifts and tricks that he had given me that equally he wanted me to use with that most imperatively, of course, the platform that comes with that and actually use the microphone that either literally is in front of me, like uh, that which is in front of you presently, or figuratively, the microphone always in front of me. Mm-hmm. So I was never unaware of that. That was my negotiation with God as it pertained to that whole public figure thing, which I really shied away from for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And one day looked in the mirror and was like, well, shit, I can't really, I, I can't, um, if doing this decently, if not good to great, that being art and storytelling on whatever form, fashion or format it, it is, I couldn't do it without embracing that public figure might think that that thing of public figure might come with it. And so now how I'm feeling more than ever is like, oh God, you really are asking me to crank up the volume on that, on my mm-hmm. servitude to the world, on my servitude to the narrow specific space uh, which quite frankly is not necessarily that narrow of that being our culture, first and foremost, of people that look like me, um, black and, and brown boys and girls and young men and young women 
And all of these people that have never necessarily had a voice the way that you and I have a voice, the way that your colleague has a voice. Um, so more than ever, I feel that it almost has made me uh, a bit forgetful that I'm even in this thing called preparation for film number whatever, or for the studio session that I have tonight after I finish talking to you lovely, beautiful Black people. It is a moment where I go, man, this shit tonight, even the studio session only goes as far as I can sling this thing called service. Denzel always says we're in the business of service. And, you know, I kind of am proud that I've always walked that instead of just talking it. But uh, to answer your great leading question, I feel more than ever that it is incumbent upon me to be of servitude, bro. Truly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and to follow up on that, a question that we ask a lot too is, because things are, are so heavy and because you do feel, like you said, you have a platform and we feel the same way, there's a, a level of responsibility to use it for purpose, but then also you just feel so compelled, like you can't help yourself, like you have to. So how do you found the, find the balance in it all? That's a great question. You, you mean the balance in terms of not overdoing that and maintaining? Correct. Your mental health, yes. It was funny. I had my sister who, uh, she, I don't remember when it was, and it's so crazy now, right? It could be the same face with a different name or a different face with the same name every other week that we are saying goodbye to. I don't know, you know? And also I'm, I'm so aware and so cognizant of the fact that there are two differing, uh, conversations that need to be had, that of racism, sexism, and, and the reality that any ism is steeped in fear. Any ism, sexism included, racism obviously included, is steeped in fear. Um, but equally, there's a conversation of, of, of us being riddled with self-fear, with fear of actually being as beautiful as we are, fear of actually um, executing that which maybe God simply put inside your mother's womb as far back as her just conceiving the concept of conceiving you as a child and, and what God would make you to be. And we don't, we don't talk about it enough, but, you know, analogous to the Jewish star of David or any other indigenous folk, brown, black, um, yellow or red, they've all maintained an identity that we as black Americans in particular have not necessarily been able to maintain. And so because of that, there is a absolutely fear, an absolute fear, uh, excuse me, of that which we look and see when we look in the mirror, when we brush our teeth every morning. Hats off and God bless those that don't, who are very much in ownership of their beauty as black people and of what we mean to this earth and what we've meant to this country and you know, beyond even this region. Um, but there's so many of us, as you know, the large majority don't necessarily know our identity enough. And so because of that, the other conversation is black people killing black people. So there's so many conversations being had and at times, or needing to be had, I should say. And at times, um, I have a family member in this one particular time, again, was my sister. And she was like, I, I need you, I, I want you to say something about, again, same face, different name, different name, same, you know, whatever it may be, same, different uh, face, same name. It's the same old thing over and over. And it was a killing of, one of our beloved lost black youth um, at the hands of a white cop wrongly. And I remember her really getting on me, not necessarily really jumping down my throat because she knows how much of activism um, I'm about, but she wanted my voice to be on every platform to your point. 
Like, here's the platform. You got to speak on everything. And I remember thinking to myself, well, sis, I, I, I equally need to activate that, which the pilot is very correct in stating when all of us have been on a plane and heard the pilot say, now, if the plane starts to go down or yada, yada, put the oxygen mask on oneself prior to putting it on a person to the left or the right. Mm-hmm. And truly, you have to activate that, that moment. And, and, and so the balance is found in me being able to really go, well, my work ethic is, is quite insane already. And my desire to be at every single march, figuratively speaking, too, even if we're not, even if we're fucking marching on Zoom. Right. My reality is that I always want to be there, but if I haven't gotten enough restoration to my wings and energy that can reinvigorate that which I'm activating, which is simply, again, giving the voiceless a piece of my voice, just a piece of it. I'm not pretentious and thinking I'm imbuing them with all that is Omari, but just a piece of it. And I equally got to, you know, like refuel. And so I remember saying that to her, not in those words, but in some semblance of that. And I think she understood it. I said, I use it for a lot. And I know a lot of friends of mine in the industry and without the industry or outside of the industry equally use our voices for a lot. But at some point, it even wears us down. And emotionally speaking, it gets us to the point where we're hampered and beat up and broken just as much as the next man that or next woman that is looking at the same thing that we could go, hey, let's go out and let's, you know, rah, rah and, and, and really affect change. I get it. But sometimes I'm just an eight-year-old kid who really 40 some years of age is equally eight years old. I couldn't make money as an artist if I wasn't eight, eight years old inside this person. So, you know, there, there is that balance of necessity that you speak of. And sometimes I don't nail that, but I try my hardest to give this raspy ass voice that's already freaking raspy a moment to figure it out before I, you know, I give whatever that is that comes behind that voice. Both of those questions are great. Thank you, my man. That's actually very important because when the pilot says, put your mask on first, he's telling you because <laughs> uh, everybody got a better chance of surviving if you survive. Right. So everyone on your row has a better chance if one person on your row lives right. because then somebody else can set their mind to help and solve problems. So, so you got to live in order to help uh-huh. uh, other people live. And what's right. so funny about that is the code switching that you spoke about loving and sorry to bother you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's also that. There's right. the reality that some of us, and you two are absolutely in this very small huddle, we truly were given the ability to influence. Now you look at social media, every other person is an influencer. That's the title. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, are they really? But some of us truly were anointed and ordained to be influencers. And we have, dare I say, a younger generation that is being reared and, re- and raised in hate. And we were raised in love. Mm-hmm. And, and even as far back as Bob Marley literally saying one love, you know, we were raised in that. And so you got a lot of people that hate on those of us that are anointed by God to truly be of influence. Like, yo, it ain't on me. It ain't on you too. Like we were really tapped. Like we got to go with it. So yeah. if you truly are tapped to be of influence, then like, sorry to bother you proved, you sometimes also have to switch the the way in which you deliver the message in different rooms. It has to be delivered differently. So that could wear you out differently is what I'm getting at. That, you can. That can also, also, like, sorry to bother you proved, and we getting, we broing down now. Also, like, sorry to bother you proved, you have to make sure that you're giving the, the message for the right people. That's right. 
because mm-hmm. your power, you guys got to see Sorry to Bother you. You, you, you have to see it because your yeah. power can be taken and then misused and directed in the wrong place and end All up hurting long. the people that you were trying to help. All day long. Um, Let me ask you a question about the movie, Army of the Dead, coming out pretty soon. Yes. Okay? Zack Snyder, the director of this film, okay? I have, a, I have a separate question about zombies after this, and I really want to get your take on this. But before we get to the zombies, I want to talk about Zack Snyder. She laughs. Why is she laughing at you, bro? Why is she laughing? Because because she knows he's gonna be so some... serious. He's so uh, serious. Because I have, real, I have a real, a, a legit <laughs> zombie question. Okay. A legit okay. zombie question. We'll I got get to you. it in a second. All right. So uh, Zack Snyder directed this movie. Obviously directed tons and tons of films. Just came out with the Snyder Cut, which I loved. Yes. Yeah, so he was the, the, the as the director of Justice League. There was a lot of controversy surrounding the movie based upon people's working relationships that they had under Josh Josh Whedon, and mm. how they felt more comfortable working with Zack Snyder. Mm. And you know, a lot of people like Ray Fisher have been very very vocal mm. about the very fact vocal that, about it. Yeah, that that you know he had a great work, working relationship working relationship with Zack Snyder, Josh Whedon, and the rest of Warner Brothers. Not so much mm. Ray Fisher. Uh, is is being loud and out there with his, with his voice, let, letting people know how things are going over there. Yeah. What was your experience like working with Zach on the movie? And did all of that stuff and all of the Snyder Cut stuff and all of the release of the Snyder Cut, was he talking about that on set? Like, how, how were things making this film? You guys got such a great cast. Man, you get those moments... Um milestone moments uh, uh, across your journey. I don't... I definitely, it hasn't been Omari, but Let's make it anybody of massive note that you've interviewed and you go home and you hit uncle or auntie or mom or pops or siblings or friends you went to college with, grandma. You hit them and you go, yo, I just interviewed so-and-so or I'm prepping to interview so-and-so. Anything you think I should ask so-and-so, I know you've had those moments. Uh And they're not necessarily the end-all be-all in terms of moments. But if you compile all those moments together, these become seminal moments where you see your career taking a different trajectory for the better. Mm. This movie and this moment of working with a one Zack Snyder for me was definitely one of those moments. Mm. Not to, again, not to toss out other moments that were equally important, but Mm. when you take this one with him, bro, I think what you're finding is uh, for an Omari, I found home. What I mean by that is I remember Nips used to say to me when I would leave, and and it's ironic because uh, Mars from, you know, 1500 band who worked with Nip. 1500 or nothing. Those are the guys with the homies over there. Yeah. Incredible. Great. So shout Mars out to James and Rance and all of them. Yes, yeah, shout out to yeah. Rance and all of them. You know, that's Lorenz Tate's cousin, too. So, mm-hmm. um, LaFont Roy and all of them. But Mars said to me one time, and Nip used to say this, too, when I would be in his presence, he would say, stay dangerous, oh, stay dangerous. Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting thing to be given permission by someone whom you know has defined dangerous as cutting across the grain and that of rebellion for a proper reason of being rebellious. For the right reasons. And added to the rebellion, of course, is that bag of gift that absolutely only God can give and curate. Now, of course, you can craft it 
have an insane work ethic, what have you. Everybody's got different levels of talent. The limbless friend that I interviewed on IG Live when I was in Australia a month ago, literally no limbs, but obviously he's got a massive voice and, and, and he matters in a different way. But when you meet a Zack Snyder, you meet a fellow tribesman of the dangerous gifted huddle who is equally, if not more, humble. And that for me felt like home. I felt oftentimes that people have expected me to walk in with the bag of arrogance matching my bag of talent. And because I don't carry that, there's a lot of people that shoot darts at me, almost in a way if I flossed on IG, like y'all know I don't, and it matched that which they think in their mind I should be matching, which is the talent, then, you know, that would be more understandable to folk. And sometimes you're just at a different frequency and nobody's going to understand you anyway, except for those small groups of people who do. I wouldn't be on this interview if you two didn't understand me so or understand me enough. So in meeting Zach, I went, I see what you're doing, God. You really, you're, you're trying to, here's a little, a little man who's not a big stature, but probably seven foot presence, one of those guys, if not bigger, married, family man, you know, lost a daughter, left the world of our industry called entertainment or specifically the world of filmmaking, which also includes, might I add, director of photography. He freaking gets in the trenches and holds camera A or B. I mean, it's, it's crazy. He's not just directing. And Spike at times, boss number one for me, absolutely grabs a camera um, while letting on my movie that I did with him, movie one. No, that was movie two with him. Oh, what was the first one? My first movie is 03. And my first roommates, you know, if you want to make castmates roommates, my first roommates were Anthony Mackie straight off of Papa Dot in 8 Mile. And then uh, Malik Strouder, who had just done A Man Apart with Vin Diesel. Um, and then Ben Crowley, Ken LeWang, who was in the X-Men series. Like, those are my first castmates. Lemon, the great poet, uh, who also is an actor from New York, who I know from the poetry scene. So... My first castmates are those guys. My first boss is Spike Lee in 03, bro, which is Sucker Free City, which Jim Brown also was in. Ah, yeah. In 03. So, you know, Spike would do things that made it where it wasn't that unfamiliar to, to see Zack Snyder grab a camera and go, no, I want to get this shot. Or, you know, lighting and going, no, we needed this here, we needed that there. But to do all of that while wearing the hat of director, and again, to your astute point, while knowing that some of his colleagues or some of the people around him are seen and perceived in a particular light, that he's this cord. He's a cord. It's, it's like a shout out to LeBron. LeBron galvanized the league in a very important moment to galvanize the league. He truly did that. And a lot of people had never done that. I get it. Charles Barkley, Michael, Magic, all of their assessment of like, yo, this younger generation of b-ball player, they're too close. They're too chummy chummy. I get it. I'm super competitive. I get it. But at the same token, we truly only go as far as we go. There's an operative WE on that shit for real. It is big team little I. It could sound corny, but it is big team little I. And so Zach, and shout outs to Braun again for galvanizing the league to go, it's big team little I. Let's rock. You know, I don't even have to be the voice called the president of the players union, but I can still be what I am as a voice and as a presence. Zach is like that. It's like, Dave, I know where you are. The younger actors, I know where you are. Theo, I know where you are. Theo Rossi. You know, this person, I know where they are. But Omari, I see you. And I know not only where you are, 
but I truly can see and know where you're going. And if I can aid in that going, then even if the movie has to be specific to the character Vandero and you're part of a big team little eye, I still can figure out ways to aid your next steps post this movie, after, mm -hmm. then after that movie, after this movie. You could see it happening when we were on set. And it really came from this level of humility, but also having rebellion with a cause, getting Netflix to basically champion whatever he's doing and all the decisions that he's made, influencing my decisions equally and also, you know, in terms of where I'm going in the future. And I can't say enough good things about Zach and what I found. He's absolutely a seminal moment for where my career is going from, from this point on. Mm. So can you, for our listeners, can you tell them a little bit about this new movie, what it's about? And then also, you know, there's a lot of speculation because people say Zack Snyder is great at hiding these secret messages and images within the movie. And a lot of people are looking at this Omega symbol. Shout out to my brothers of Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity Incorporated. Yes, shout out to the Q's. Um, yeah, people are pointing towards that and are saying maybe that you might be a part of DC. Can you talk a little bit about the movie and that? What can yeah, you tell us? I, I can't, you know, it's so interesting. They were um, those fan castings for years and I was having a conversation with Miles and Pops before going to Australia, which was a Netflix gig in Australia. And I was talking to uh, my Pops about, you know, there's a fan casting. He's like, what? And I say, you know, fans really just kind of like give their heart and give their love and give their support in terms of who they think should play said parts in DC world and Marvel world, Disney world, the whole thing. Uh, <laughs> you know, you, you see Anthony Mackie now, people are rushing home to watch Anthony in this space that he's in, in that superhero world where he's actually a military guy, not necessarily of cape proportion, but he's equally superheroic, which is even perhaps more superheroic because he's simply a soldier quote unquote, simply. Um, and when Pops looked at it, I showed him on Instagram, he looked at it. Never did I think that post doing the movie in Australia, the project in Australia with Tony Collette, Bella Heathcote, respectively, um, Jacob Scipio, Gil Birmingham, never did I think that when, it coming, when coming back and the whole kickoff of the promotion of Army of the Dead would happen, I didn't think that it would turn into these secret innuendos that you speak about that are not necessarily a fan casting, but they smell of actual industry casting before it's happening. Never. And I never want to speak on something like that, that, that which is not, I don't like to speak on, but I would say that uh, I would look at him sometimes and, um, and he would add scenes that I don't even know if my dear castmates were aware of. I'm sure Dave Bautista was, cause he's our, you know, he's number one on the call sheet. So for that movie, it's as much as Omari being number one on the call sheet for power, you know? So I think absolutely he was aware of certain things that Zach was doing for my character specifically, but overall there were momentary subtle things inserted by Zach that could tip the hat to not perhaps Omari's existence in that DC world or Marvel world you speak of, but um, definitely that he has a litany of projects that are coming his way. And that part of his, I'll use the word that we, you know, aforementioned galvanize, part of his galvanizing aptitude and ability is to grab a pot of actor, male and female, let's say female first, 
since we're both male feminists here and rock for y'all, knowing y'all are the better gender, smarter, quicker, the whole nine, stronger. And galvanizing that group of, of, of actor, um, he now gets to do what Spike Lee did for years, right? Spike, what you see a same person in this movie and then a, they'd be in another movie. And so I think there's definitely um, some truths to the fact that if, if you impress him enough, then he might pick up the phone and call you again for some things. Now, as it pertains to the shout out to your brothers um, of Omega Soft Phi, which one of my grandfathers was, was a Q and one was an alpha. And obviously, as you know, I went alpha. But yes, there is the first moment. I'm a former Miss Black and Gold. I just want to put that out there as well. Mwah. She says that all the time. That's her thing. That's her thing, Omar. And you probably, all the time. And you probably thought to yourself, we got, we got O on today. I wonder how quick she'll bring up that she was a former Miss Black and Gold. Miss <laughs> Black and Gold. I was prom. I was prom queen. The king he opened high. the door. I walked through it. He opened the door. I had to. I so, so he ended up um, having a conversation with me, and I said, "Well, you know, Zach, this is gonna make a lot of Alpha brothers very confused." He's like, "Well, I said I'm, I'm, I'm actually an Alpha." He went, "Oh, right, it's not the same fraternity." I said, "No, Zach, I'm, I'm actually an Alpha." He goes, "Well, I want this guy to be an Omega. I want him to be a Q." And I said, well, you know, my grandfather, who was the Q, will be quite happy. He will rest in peace. He passed season four of power. He will sit and go, that boy finally did it. But I was <laughs> a confusing mess of that which already Omari is a confusing mess. So it probably is fine that half the world will look at it and go, dog, you just betrayed the black and gold, like, horribly. <laughs> and then all of my brothers that were Qs, who I'm super close to to this day, Shout outs to the big ones of Jesse Jackson and Shaq and Michael Jordan and all of them. But even the non-prominent ones who I'm so close to, um, my uncle included, I would say that this is the first time you've ever seen an alpha and a Q on the same body, mm-hmm. on the same flesh, bro. I had, a, yeah. I, had a, I had a brand. I had the full, yes. I did that shit. I like really, <laughs> ah, <laughs> ah, ah, <laughs> the whole night. The whole nine coming at Amari coming in with some black and gold boots on and the purple, the, cam- right. the purple thing with the camo shorts. Ah, ah. Dude, right. this would be crazy. You go, to a, you, go, you go to a you go to a Q dog and all of a sudden you talking to a girl and then she up in the air. You she in the girl. On them shoulders. Just pick your girl. And they love it. They like, oh my God. And you like, well, and, and the I problem is he can play it off and be like, I was just throwing up. Oh yeah. You got caught in my throw up and you went up and Yeah. And I'm like, and I'm like, well, I guess, you know, me and her future is done. Like so, so, get <laughs> uh, I love that, bro. Yeah. So Zach, I thought it was smooth that Zach even was hip enough to go. Yeah. That is. I think he should be a QO and this is what I want. And do you have a brand as an alpha? I said, no, I got a tattoo. He said, then we're all good. So you see this big ass brand on Vanderro's chest and no, it's not O's chest, but it is O's chest. So I'm probably going to get a lot of interview questions about that. <laughs> so I got a couple more questions for you, but the one that I have to ask is I'm happy to see you in this movie fighting zombies, right? Mm. I'm happy to see you in this movie fighting zombies because I have a theory about zombies. Fast or slow or just in general? What do you mean? You got a theory about the fast ones, slow or just in general zombies? 
general great question by the way because like that's a huge <laughs> that's a great because you got in in Zack snyder's land you got the fast zombies right the crazy ones then in the walking dead world war z they fast and in the walking dead they just you know what i right. mean but what's what scary to you like when you think about it, like just the eight tap into the eight-year-old side of yourself which one hides in your closet the most there's nothing scarier than the ones from dawn of the dead Oh, because right. so the oh, so the yeah. walkers so the walkers and the Walking Dead they almost represent like society the oh, unknown a, doom that it, that exists completely yeah. society. right society. completely society because they like only in numbers are they really really super dangerous That's right. but in the Zack Snyder one all of a sudden somebody turns and then they like call Lewis on you and that's what like <laughs> how, how, yeah, how I'm gonna get away but my question about the zombies is this. This is a real question. I'm asking Amari Harwick about zombies right now. Are zombies racist? And I'll tell you, you why. Do, did you did you already ask? Can you do a drum roll? Can we do a drum roll for your question? Drum roll, drum roll, Rachel. Oh. Here's the thing: Are zombies racist? And this is the question. This is why I'm asking. I love this question. I've I have yet to see a movie where it's a bunch of zombies like going in to Compton or South Baton Rouge and trying to kill them. It seems like zombies get zombified and they go straight to the suburbs or to the mall. What am I missing? Man, that's a dope, this is a dope moment. This is, I don't know if the podcast is going here before. Did, did, your, dog leave, did your dog leave because of that zombie? Yeah, yeah he, just, he just jumped out of here because of, of the zombie. Right. right. I feel like, I got to be honest with you. I feel like, first of all, the zombie is going for everybody bleeds the same blood. So is it? So it's not a color thing. As it, if it's red, then he blooding out. I don't know about. I can't. You know, God bless the Crips, but his zombie <laughs> going for the blood. Like right. so, he should be going to anybody's neighborhood. But is that racist, or should we invert that and say that the zombies are actually proving that not only are they afraid to go to the black neighborhoods or go to the hood, <laughs> but but not only are they afraid of it. But they are respectfully honoring. Yeah, I ain't crossing them lines. That's, that's, that's tough war. Like, are they? It might be version of racism. I actually am very proud to have done this movie on a different level now. I think I'm, a, I'm an alpha Q, and I'm, a, and I'm a zombie advocate for black people. At this Can I just say that in The Walking Dead, it starts in Atlanta? Does yes. that not count? No, but it's the suburbs. But the suburbs, though. But outside. they go into the city. It starts off. You don't remember that? I, mean, I grew up in the deck. I grew up in Decatur, so I don't know if them niggas would come that way. But <laughs> 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 don't go there. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Kind of deep. I don't know it if they're racist. I don't think, I don't think, I don't think so either. I just want to, you know what I want to see? And maybe spin off. I don't know what happens to you in the movie, but maybe spin off. What I want to see is I want to see. A zombie movie, and maybe we, my company, should produce this. I want to see a zombie movie from the from like I want to see what happens to us our when the zombies come. Yeah, 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 our perspective of the zombie situation. You yeah, know what I mean? Because like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Funny. there's no movie. There's I, no movie. As as many films as I've watched, there's got to be some, of course, and the listeners I mean, are going to let us know. But I haven't movie, seen it. Right from the zombie, right? Because Eddie Murphy's that the Dracula. And, Vampire and what that was it? Was dope. It was Vampire in Brooklyn, but it was it was vampires. Okay. Yeah, that was do- that was dope though. I enjoyed that. I like. I- You're right about that. It hadn't really been that. Zombies, black zombies. But you know I'm what's crazy? 
You know what's also crazy? We don't typically, and this is maybe going a little severe, meaning we got serious for a moment, but it's true. We don't really kill in that mass number like that. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. We're not the mass shooters. We, we kind of go, no, I had a problem with that person. I'm taking that person off the earth. I ain't got like, I don't have a problem with these 25 people. The zombies seem like they angry with 25 people. They like they, angry. They're just, they just want to kill. It's crazy. It's, and it's, it, I, I love the scenes. And I, I know we're getting deep into zombie lore, but I love the scenes where somebody is nice and all of a sudden they get bit. And then like 25 seconds left, they just looking for somebody to fuck up. The zombies are the most aggro. It's so scary, bro. Agro, bro, bro so- they're so aggro, bro. It's so scary. They get bitten. And, ah! and the next thing you know, they're running after kids and stuff I like that. Think that. I got to think that I talked <laughs> about, you know, The Walking Dead and definitely that broaches on society in terms of the way society looks and feels about the mob mentality. But maybe also with the zombie world, man, people started to really love that genre years ago because the zombie gets to activate what you feel inside, but you know you can't activate. Everybody feels that level of like, if I could just, I mean, hell, if you could give a dime for every person that you've ever thought about having road rage with, road rage with, that you could actually be like, yo, I would go back, get in a car and go hunt that person down. A zombie doesn't like think about it. A zombie goes, I'm going to get back in the car or I'm going to eat the car and then I'm going to eat the person in the car. (laughs) So maybe everything that we kind of feel people are in that space of like, man, they do what we feel like we want to do. And, and I don't know. I mean, that's why Ghost was like, right? Because Ghost will put a bullet in you and then be rocking his kid on, on his lap right after. And you're like, can, you do that? can I get away with that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Since you brought that up, I will ask. This is my last question. I'm going to ask this for all the power fans out there. A bunch of books that are coming out. We're already in the middle of book two. Will we see you again? Is it possible? Have you closed the door completely on that? No, because I never close the door. I never did. You know, I, I wasn't a person with the uh, doorknob in hand, nor the key, if you catch my win. Yeah. That was me. So I'm never not open. Um, hell, you name the guy Ghost. And so there is always, to me, a possibility of being just that. Since we're on the board of zombie, you're not actually going against the subject. He really lives in a ghost space at this point. So now that we know he's not on earth, there is a, a reality where you could have flashbacks, this or the third. What, what I always felt sorry to the fans about, and I want them to hear this on you guys' podcast. And they now have heard that that had the door being turned and it had nothing to do with me. But I'll say this, um, and I knew it had something to do with God in terms of God going, well, I got things for you I want you to do. But mm-hmm. if you take it out of that God space, that's not really, that's above my pay grade, truly. Literally above my pay grade. But I would say to the fans that Definitely expected us to go at least the run on the first turn of power that the Sopranos had. That was seven seasons. Mm-hmm. It's a very unique thing to go six seasons. It's kind of odd. You have to go five seasons or you go seven seasons. Mm-hmm. I would say that um, if the producers, you know, wanted me to come back and be able to be that which I did not complete, and that being the telling of Ghost's story a little bit more, not necessarily from Tasha and the kids and Tommy forward, but we don't really know who Ghost was behind. Mm. And so what I think the fans are upset about without absolutely knowing that they're upset, some of them know, but it's not an absolution in their brain. They're upset because we never flushed Ghost out. We didn't really do that. 
Yeah. Touched out parts of him in the present state as a grown man wearing the greatest of suits, doing what he had to do, trying to cut across the grain and go good versus bad, trying to get Tommy and Tasha to, you know, agree with that move and trying to be the best of father, but equally being narcissist at times, but equally humble at times, like all over the place. There's a guy that is, I don't know, 22, 25 and back that would include meeting Tasha, include meeting Tommy, meeting Kanan, that the fans never got to know. You don't really know anything about Ghost. He really was a ghost when you really think about it. Tommy had a father. All of a sudden, the father was introduced. Tommy has a drugged out mother. We already knew her. Tasha has a mom, beautifully played by the great actress. We had kids, but that's we having kids at Ghost now. Ghost and Kanan had a relationship, but what did it smell like when they were teenagers? What did Ghost and his father rock out with when the mom left? There's nothing but insinuation to what Ghost was. We don't really know. Mm -hmm. I was always open to giving the dear, beloved, incomparable fan base, some of whom will never let Ghost go. I was always open to giving them more of Ghost so that when we were forced to let him go, we actually had earned him being let go. We earned it. Like, okay, he's, I know him now. We, we don't really know, dude. I played the guy. So nobody could say it like me. I don't, I don't, I still don't really know the dude because I didn't get to activate the parts of him prior. And all the yeah. spinoffs are those actors activating the parts prior to what their characters were. But what about Ghost? He's the epicenter of the show. We don't really know dude. So I try my hardest to remind fans all the time that I hear them loud and clear their desires for me to come back and hang out and just be a part of the spinoffs, this, that, and the third. But hell, I don't really know why you would need spinoffs if Omari was still a part of the original. The original is the original. Spinoffs are just that, spinoffs. So I would come back, but perhaps in the spinoffs, just as a space to sort of give leverage to the show to go, okay, Ghost is now speaking to Tariq, but we know he's not actually there. Okay, wow. Ghost in Tommy's head, but is he really there? You know, leaving that mystique there, but... I'd always be open. It changed my life. The show changed my life. Courtney and 50, the network, hopefully the network can always say that I changed the network's life. I don't think a lot of people knew of stars before Omari and Naturi and Leela and Joseph came and got down. And obviously with 50 Cent being at the helm as an EP and actor, I don't think the world of stars was really known. So hopefully they all can look back and feel as appreciative as I am. I haven't necessarily had as many people calling me and going, yo, I don't know where we'd be without you, but I say it all the time. I wouldn't be <laughs> without them. Right. So yeah. As long as I live my space and do my thing, then that's all I can really cover. But I appreciate you. I appreciate the love and the support and the gazillions, a gazillion number of fans that are far and wide, near and dear, 170 plus countries who all rocked out for uh, that show and that character that, that I was able to bring to life for six years, for show, for show. All right. So, this brings me to my last question, and this has been a fantastic interview, brother. We appreciate your it time really and all has. your energy. This is my last question. All right, so there's another show on right now. It's called Snowfall. I'm sure you're yeah. aware of Snowfall, right? Yes. Snowfall, fantastic show. Yeah. Shout out to one of my homeboys, Molly. Damson. Damson, yeah. Uh, Damson, oh, shout out to Damson. Damson's like a little bro, and we got a lot of things coming, so y'all will be interviewing us about other oh. shows. Love that. Oh, Brilliant young actor. You see him around in Beauty and Essex and stuff like that. Good kid. Good kid. Yeah. Um, good man, me, yeah. me little bro in him. Good that's man, that's a man, that's a powerful man and an actor. Yeah. Um, so uh, a homie of mine, Maul, uh, went viral on Twitter 
a couple of weeks ago, maybe last week, because he said that in now, his is opinion, Jamal, is it Jamal or Kamal? In case I need to hunt him down, is it Jamal or Kamal? In case I need to just find Jamal, it's just Jamal. You left right? it really hard for me to find him, motherfucker. If I got him, it's just Jamal. All yeah. right. Uh, he used to be on a podcast, but he might be between podcasts right now. We don't know. We're still waiting for answers. Um, he shout outs to you, Maul. We talking about you in in good in good ways, brother. We yeah, talk- in good ways in great ways. He said that in his opinion. Snowfall is better than The Wire. Then that got people to saying, Ooh. okay, Ooh. Snowfall, The Wire, or Power, which show which show is the best? Which show do we love the most? I'm going to ask you right now. If you were going to rank one to three, Snowfall, Power, and The Wire, what is your ranking? Awesome question. I think we were dominant as fuck. So we were dominant AF for four seasons. Dominant. Like bang, 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 bang. I think that Snowfall, shout outs to our beloved late and great John Singleton, mm-hmm. which is partly why Damson and I are gonna work together because John was very mm-hmm. keen on both of us as young actors. Um, and we decided to continue what John would have wanted us to continue. So Damson and I'll do that. And I can't. Uh, wait to start to curate work with him. I'll say that it's a fascinating thing um, story-wise as to what they created. So I'll give it, I'll give it a great ranking, but it can't be in the ranking of those two that are tried, tribulated, and now done. And remember, the spinoffs of power are not necessarily consistent to that which I've done. And once my character was over, now I'm counting that show only. To your point, not ghosts. Not forced with Joseph. I'm so freaking happy he got that, especially Joseph. And not what, obviously, uh, Michael Rainey has been able to, to do and keep going with, with Tariq. I can't say that on the list would be Snowfall at this point because it's still running and still balling and still trying to figure out the crossover and the fadeaway. They ain't proven all that yet. But I would say, consistently speaking, convoluted storyline on both sides, cops, the wiretap, the governmental officials over the cops, the drug dealers, the family members of the drug dealers. Shout outs to Avon, played by my dear brother in Wood. Ooh. Shout out to Idris playing Stringer. Shout outs to Michael K, my brother who played Omar. Shout outs to, to, to uh, Jamie Hector. Shout outs all the way down to Michael B and, and Mac Wild. Shout outs, shout outs, shout outs. What they did, Snoop, what they did to me in consistency in terms of those shout outs obviously being relegated to the street side of the show. Mm-hmm. I'm not obviously forgetting Dominic Lombardozo, who also played, as you know, with me on power. Mm-hmm. But then the other Dominic who played in Dominic that. West. Or, yeah. or the phenomenal, our, our, our phenomenal brother who's from New Orleans, who I think is just one of the more underrated actors that there ever Wendell was. Pierce. Shout outs to all of those people that I'm naming. They consistently showed up in the writer's room included, and the acting and the crew and the way it was shot. And to me, they edge us out by a season because I think we were dominant for four seasons on a very beautiful, handsome, stunning way. I think The Wire went five years. Did they go five? Was it five seasons? It was five seasons five. of The Wire. It yeah. is five seasons and we talk about it like it was 10 seasons and there's- Right. Mm-hmm. Talk about it like it was 10 seasons and there's your answer. It was only five. Right. I would give you six and a half. 
I wish we would have been paid more like it was a seventh season, but we weren't. But six and a half, we gave you 15 episodes or 16 in the final run. But I believe that everybody that rocked out, and that's not to say that the, ga- the guest members, that the guest cast that we had in season five and season six weren't incredible. Right. But I'm, in terms of our force as crew, as, as producers, as writers, as actors, as the network, we rocked out in a way that me as an ex-athlete would judge four seasons. The Wire gave us five. So I got to say The Wire is there. I would put us number two and I would say that Snowfall is a, is a very, which is a compliment because they're still rocking. I would give them yeah. number two. That's a pretty good company to be in. That's definitely a good, good mm. company to be in. Man, look, bro. I'm glad we talked, man. I'll be honest with you. I've done a lot of interviews, right? And it's like, but I'm glad that we actually got a chance to sit down and 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 talk with you for a second, man. You're putting out all the right, right vibrations. And of course, we know you're going to continue your success. And I can't wait to see Army of the Dead. The movie's out, what is it, May, May 14th? So the, movie, so the movie comes in limited theaters, select theaters in certain places. May, uh, you're right, a week before, and then on, on uh, Netflix, of course, in, in the confines of your comfortable home on the 21st of May. On 21st Netflix. of May. 21st of May. I will be there. Amari Hardwick, bro. We'll be watching, supporting. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you so much for joining right. us today on Higher Learning, my man. Both of y'all, man. Higher Learning. I won't forget this interview. I won't forget the fast and slow zombie talk. Maul, I'm going to find you. I'm going to find you, Maul. <laughs> what did Maul say? What did Maul say? He said that he Maul say- said so. Maul said Maul didn't include power. Maul said that he feels like Snowfall is way better than the Wire. And then people were like, "Well, what do you put power in that?" And I was like, "Wow, blah 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 blah." blah. You know, you know what I mean? Because I I did a Wire podcast, and so I'm like, these shows, the toes, the shows are all so different totally. It's because it's present, right? Snowfall's on now. So I feel like that's why people are oh, giving it, it that. A, it it's a, on that. now, but I think y'all make a great point. They are very different. And I guess the point I was making is I can't judge them on that criterion. I can only judge them on consistency for the time that they ran their lane. Our this, lane is different. But they ran their lane five years to me straight. This is what I will say about Power Up. Okay? And... Um, I think the wire, wire is the greatest show that's ever existed, right? But this is, I will say about Power. When Power was hot, there are few shows mm. ever that people, the culture bullied me into watching Power because I was, I was late really? on it. Everybody was talking about it so I was there from the beginning. If you got a like your colleagues, you know he's going to go. Yo, if you overtell me or oversell me on a show later for that, I'm the same way. Like, if you oversell me, let me get to it when I get to it. So I appreciate when people go, yo, I got to a season three, oh, and I'm like, great. You got when you got. And then you went went forward and you got. I got tired of being left out of the conversation. Mm -hmm. Everyone was talking about it. I remember I was seeing memes of people holding guns to Tyreek to Tyreek on the on the thing. I was I'm like, why do y'all hate this kid? And I started watching. I'm like, yo, this show is crazy. Like this yeah. like this show is really crazy. Shout out to you. So you get, you get my point. Like I do. We we really played hard for four years. Like wow. Yeah. It yeah. even made me at times go, this is something like Courtney's in her bag. Five is in his bag. Joseph Naturi Lila, I'm constantly challenging. I challenge everybody to be Enrique Luis Antonio Ramos, uh, Anibal, who played Aminal, Do- Dominic Cologne, like where Timmy came in at it, Shane oh, Johnson, right. Lorenz, every, everybody was really in their bag. And I think 
dominantly. Jerry Ferreira, can't leave him out. Dominantly for four years, we just were like, ha! But I yeah. feel like The Wire almost quietly, they were almost quiet. It was, it was like fanfare of the writers' union, you know, going, oh, this yeah. is an incredible show, critically acclaimed. To me, mm-hmm. critically acclaimed is not an accident. When you go to a restaurant, people go, don't yelp. Take your shot. No, let me yelp. I, don't, I ain't about to get a stomach because <laughs> five people went and ate at the shit. <laughs> at least you can see 55 people that say the burger's pretty good. Right. <laughs> it's massive. And there was a reason that our cultural gravitas was what it was because we were bangers for four years. And The Wire had a subtle, elegant, quiet, critical acclaimed fan following. And that says a lot. That says a lot. Yeah. All right, my man. Uh, bro, can't wait to do this again, man. Great talking to you. Peace, y'all. God yes, bless you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless Same you. To you. Fans too. Higher learning. Out. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. You could be doing anything this week, right? You've got work, errands, friends, and a whole lot of fun in between. That's why the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the capable SUV that's built for your life. With premium interiors, available wireless charging, and room for your whole cargo and crew. Okay, Hyundai. Visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the all-new 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Okay, uh, Amari, that was a fantastic interview. Wow. I mean, I was a fan before, but definitely am now. Deep definitely brother. Definitely am. It was great. Deep. Right? Deep brother. Had a lot to say. Love that. Love that. I love an interview where you don't have to do much work. You just give somebody a question and they got so many takes and stuff like that. Shout out to Amari. Well, and because you were just vibing. That was the vibing. thing. It's, it's just vibing. a vibe. It's vibing. Yeah. yeah. Also, it made me want to go work out. Did just, it? Yeah. <laughs> go. The, the nigga swole. Let's be honest. Yeah. He swole yeah. You could. T- he was covered up, and you could still tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Be careful, Rach. Okay. Okay. I'm just saying. You know, Brian loves. I got Brian in the power. Did you, Brian? I went back and watched it again. He's mm. hooked. Loves it. I need Love to tell him we're interviewing him. He's gonna, he's gonna be. You didn't tell him that you were interviewing. Him. Okay, don't, don't, don't start. <laughs> All right. Uh, wish there were better news to come out of that fantastic and positive interview with, but the reality is, is that there is, this is not the reality. Um, <laughs> on the day that Derek Chauvin, uh, George Floyd's. By the way, we talked about the George Floyd verdict um, in an emergency podcast as the reason why you guys are not hearing us refer back to that verdict uh, in this podcast right now, but we will talk about something else that happened. Um, Micaiah Bryant uh, is a teenager, was a teenager. She was shot and killed by the Columbus Police Department on Tuesday after having called them 
or help. Apparently, there was a situation there between her and some other girls. Uh, police officers responded, and when they responded, uh, Makaya had uh, a knife. And this is the video that's going on around now. She had a knife. She was going after one girl. She then made moves like she was, let's be honest, winding up with the knife to attack another girl. And a police officer shot her four times. She is now dead. The police officer has been taken off the streets. There is an investigation around this situation that happened there in Columbus. Now, this has obviously troubled people. Uh, it's obviously devastating whenever you lose life, especially life as young as this young woman's life was. Uh, but it's also been sort of a divisive issue. Um, because in this case, it's not a one-to-one as some of the other cases that we've seen. She, sure. she, she was armed and she was setting to attack somebody. And there are people who say that the cop acted in defense of the life of the young black woman that was on the other side of the knife attack. Mm-hmm. There are others who say that four shots into her taking her life is excessive and that police officers should be police officers should be better trained to de-escalate situations like this without using lethal force. LeBron James had tweeted uh, a screenshot of the police officer who fired those shots. We got it off of his body cam footage. We know who he is and said that accountability is coming for him next. He then later deleted the tweet saying that he needed to do more, no more research and get more information before he weighed in on it. Rachel, I'm assuming that you've looked at all of this and you've been in the middle of all of this and you've seen everything that there is to see. What are your thoughts about this particular case? Quick question. Did LeBron James say accountability in the first tweet or did he just say you're next? Because uh, I want to be clear why, okay, why sure. people were so up in arms. He said, you're next. He, he okay. The accountability part is, I think, what he clarified later. later. Yeah. Uh, he said, you're next. Yeah. This is this is a tough situation, especially with... It, it, it is period, but with the timing of it, it just hits even harder. You know, while we're trying to take in the fact that uh, Chauvin has been found guilty on three counts and, you know... Uh, People are, you know, talking about accountability versus justice, and we're focusing on that literally at the same time this is happening. And 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 it's happening so fast, we didn't even know about it to have time to cover it on our emergency podcast. That's how quickly these things are happening. It's a it's 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 honestly hard to speak on without um without all the information because as we've seen the video she is holding a knife it does she's wielding a knife she is going towards someone and and there's obviously this heightened situation of for the police officer what do you do in that moment i think the troubling thing is and this is the side that i lean on it's the four shots i understand that use of force may be necessary when there's someone holding a knife but the fa- but the fact that she's the one who called 911 I, I, it's, I guess I feel like the police came onto the scene with the with assumptions without understanding the full gravity of what was happening, who was the caller, who was being attacked, who was defending themselves, and then just firing four shots, not firing maybe to harm, not firing up in the air, firing to kill. He fired at her, 16 years old, to kill her. And I think the thing that people are having such 
issue with as well is when someone, when you see someone who is not a young black woman who is also in a type of situation like this or worse, there doesn't seem to be that same use of force that's applied. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of comparison to Kyle Rittenhouse, who we know killed two people and injured someone else who was strapped with guns and he came out alive. And I think that's the thing that's hard for people. Why, why was this approach used to this towards this young black woman? Hmm. Uh, yeah. So first of all, just to put it out there, the video and the stills, you guys are going to gonna all see, they show what they show. All right. That's just the reality of it. They show what they show. Uh, if the knife finds its mark there, you never know what happens to the other girl. That's a hard reality that we all have to discuss. Okay. Sure. There's, there's, I'm not at an, in an emotional or an intellectual place to look at a police officer shooting a 16-year-old black girl uh, four times and going, he did the right thing. I'm just going to be honest about that. I'm not in that place. Um, I don't sure. have that much trust in the system. I don't have that much trust in the police. I have negative trust in the system and negative trust in the police. Okay? Um Am I de-intellectualizing this situation? Maybe. But the reality is that I'm tired of seeing black people get killed by the cops. And I'm just, I'm, I'm sick of it, right? And I'm definitely Absolutely. tired of seeing violence, period. But I'm tired of seeing black people getting killed by the cops. I'll tell you guys a quick story. It's going to be quick. I had a friend who is not with us anymore. His name is George Temple, okay? Um, George Temple III, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. George was a good fighter. People are gifted at things for whatever reasons that God gifts them with things. GT had hands. Like, I've just never seen anything like it before. Was a teddy bear. Was a sweet man, right? But man, when it was time to go, like lightning. And they came hard and fast. He was renowned all over the city for this. But he was my friend, okay? GT went through a point to where he was fighting all the time. He's fighting a lot. Okay. Whenever you saw him, though, whenever I was around him, he had a big smile on his face. He was the most generous person I ever met. He wasn't perfect, but he was a friend of mine. First week I was in Los Angeles, I get a call uh, from a friend of mine, Ian Spoon. I think I've talked about him on the podcast. And he says, yo, GT got shot. And I'm thinking, damn, do I need to fly back? Like, is it is it like uh, where'd they get him at? He goes, no, Van, he's dead. Mm. And I remember I hung the phone up and I'm thinking to myself, what happened? This is what happened to George Temple. George was driving. He earned a business, he owned a business called Expert Sound, where he would put like it was back in the time where everybody was getting 1512s and all of that in their car. We all had stupid TVs in our cars and all of that stuff like that. So he was um it was around 24, 25, maybe he was a couple years younger than me. And he had a business called Expert Sound and he would put that stuff into your car. So he was a small business owner at that young age, making a lot of money with a growing reputation around the city of somebody who was able to, uh, you know, meet your car audiovisual needs or whatever. So he was driving his Mercedes going somewhere. And the story goes that he cut off a funeral procession. So he cut this funeral procession off and uh, he was pulled over by a cop. He was pulled over by a cop. And when he was pulled over, they were inside of a parking lot. 
uh, things got tense between George and the cop. Apparently, the cop wanted George to step out of the car. George did not want to get out of the car. George started telling the cop that he was just jealous because he saw a black man riding in a Mercedes Benz or whatever, whatever. What ended up happening was the cop at some point either forcibly tried to remove George out of the car or at some point they became entangled. Now, the cop, most people, they don't stand a chance against GT. And GT was dogging this guy. There's a guy who walked out of the auto zone who had a gun on him, saw the cop in a fight with GT and shot George. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it was like six times. Okay. So here's my thing. For all of us who lost our friend, the question that we ask and the question that I ask even still to this day and you run it back in your head so many times, man, what if George would have left 10 minutes later? What if he'd have left 10 minutes earlier? What if he Mm. didn't have something to do that day? Just, or what if somebody didn't just walk out of the place and execute him? Mm -hmm. Did that have to happen? Yeah. Is that the way that these things are dealt with? And it puts you in a position, and I'm imagining that this is the position that this young lady's family is in right now, to where you're thinking to yourself, yeah, sure, you're right. But is this what had to happen? I get it. I understand. We're not talking about what happens intellectually. What we're talking about is the emotional understanding of a situation like that. Now, I remember talking to my father about this. I've talked about my father a lot on this podcast. But my father was like, and this was a watershed point in his and our relationship. He goes, that's why you don't talk to the police like that. It's no, sir. It's yes, sir. It's all of that. And I told my dad, I told my father at that age, like, you sound like a white man's nigga. Like, you sound crazy mm-hmm. right now. Like, you, and, and, and the reality is that I wasn't trying to I don't need somebody to explain away what went wrong. I need to somebody to explain the consequence. Why we always get four shots? Why we always get six shots? Mm-hmm. Why we always get put your hands in the bam, bam, bam. Right. While everybody else gets, hey, calm down. It doesn't have to go this way. We can work this out. Calm down. Seriously, don't do this. We get put your hands in the bow, 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 bow. Call ambulance. And so there's people out there that are watching the video. People out there that are sending the steel around. I'm not saying you're wrong. But you don't have to, I'm not saying you're wrong, but that doesn't mean that that was right. Correct. I think that I think the hardest part for me is which is why I said I lean towards the I'm on the side of why did it have to be four shots is because Yes, she was. Yes, the still images show her with the knife. But when you shot her four times, you never intended to for her to live. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's what I think the part, the the, the hard part for me to swallow is you shot to kill. You didn't shoot to stop her from doing what you thought she was doing. You shot to kill her. 
to end her. And that's where I, th- I think that's what's, what's so hard for me and, and what I guess I understand what you're saying in your story as well. There was no other option. Once you, you, you went, it was to kill. We weren't given anything else. She wasn't given anything else. Your friend wasn't given anything else. And that's what people are struggling with. It's hard. God damn, it's hard dealing with this shit every fucking day. And the other part of it is the, this narrative that God, Jesus we gotta be the... Jesus in heaven. God. I believe in you. Please give us a break. Just like... Just for a little while, please give us a break. I can't fucking do this every single... This is fucking crazy. Rachel, you, you, this not crazy to you? Yesterday, yes. To answer your question, yes. Yesterday was my birthday. And and I talk, I like I struggle with to, with Brian about it because I was like, I don't even feel how do I don't even feel like celebrating my life when people are continuing who look like me to lose theirs. Yes, it is hard. It, it and it's hard not just because of that, it's because of people using what she did as a scapegoat in this whole perfect victim narrative. Yes, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. And on that, you are right. We will take a break. Are you looking for a view of the world that's a bit different? Hi, I'm Jason Palmer, a host of The Weekend Intelligence, a podcast from The Economist. Join us to hear the stories that matter most to our correspondents and editors. Every Saturday, we introduce you to people and ideas that take you outside the ordinary and expand your horizons one episode at a time. Join us and see the world from a new perspective. To listen free until May 31st, search Spotify for The Weekend Intelligence. All right. Great news. I guess Lil Wayne is getting married. Have you seen this? I love Wayne. that that's the light topic that we're talking about. Good, good so for Wayne. As as good for, that's as good for Wayne. Great. As light as it gets. Great. Dottie Beach, Trudy something. Joseph, and Isaiah Blakely are our producers today. Um, and we're all talking about Lil Wayne getting married. That's our light topic. Great. That's our change of pace. <laughs> Did you hear that? Ooh, that's a good thing. Every time we change of pace, we should use that. Do when it again? From, when we go from light, when we go from dark to light or light to dark, we should it should, it should be higher learning, change of place. Because like we're changing. <laughs> I, I, I got it. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> <laughs> Wayne's Wayne's getting married. Has Wayne ever been married? Has Wayne ever been married? Is this no. the first? No, I don't think so. I don't know. He's I got, don't know. I don't keep got, up with it. He's got a lot it. of kids. He's got a uh, Wayne's got a honestly. A he's probably promoting something, right? He's probably it, promoting something. That's it. He ain't it, getting married. He's promoting something. It says uh, he says happiest man alive. Today is the beginning of our forever, 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 ever, forever, ever. The Carters. Um, Those are guess, lyrics to a song, y'all. Well, there, yeah, forever, forever, forever. <laughs> you can't, you shouldn't be listening to that to this podcast if you don't know Miss Jackson. I'll be honest with you. If you don't know Miss Jackson, man, go over to the Dan Boingino show. What's that nigga name? Dan, you know what I'm talking about? You know Dan Boingino? What's his, Is he what's bald? His, he's like the he's like a one of the conservatives. He's like from a bigger on. guy. Yeah, he's like swole. Yeah, 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 yeah. He yeah, started yeah. his yeah. own shit. By the way, yeah. them them shits be cracking. If you look all around, if you look on like the the top charts, Dan Boingingo and then Candace and then Ben, ben Shapiro. Shapiro. I'll yeah. be honest with you, y'all Big claim fan base. 
like y'all claim that y'all not racist, but y'all sure must love them. Cause they, <laughs> they be so hot half the country streets. voted for Trump, of <laughs> they course. Be hot in these streets, man. Yes, they're uniting. <laughs> they be yes, hot in these good for them. Good for them. By the way, not not in any way taken away. I don't want you know everybody got their own perspectives and opinions and all of that stuff. Uh, good for them. But L- Wayne had been going back and forth with uh his um girlfriend, the on again off again girlfriend, Benice. You know more than me. Bedeau is her name. Uh, I kept looking at it and seeing bigot, and I just I couldn't. I'm not. Doesn't it look like bigot? It looks like bigot. It's a D. That would be so funny, Wayne. (laughs) (laughs) The bigot family. I wanted to join the bigot family. I tried to do it with Trump, but now, uh, so Wayne's getting married. He's got a lot of kids. Um, but that's okay because he can afford them. Um, do you do you you have thoughts? Remember, this is the same lady who who had broken up with Wayne after the Donald Trump thing. I guess that's all cleared out. Do you still even care about the Donald Trump thing with Lil Wayne? I, I, I'm still trying to figure out if I really care about Wayne, which is why I'm having a hard anymore. time. Which is, And I, I told you, I used to be a Wayne head. Like, big, big, big fan. I'm just kind of uh, indifferent. You know, she did, yeah, she allegedly broke up with him. Do we really know that? I don't know. He got I, her back. Whatever. Who got the, it's like, good for, I'm good. Congratulations. Congratulations, I'm guys. I'm glad that Wayne the, is happy. I'm, 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 you know, I'm always gonna have a soft spot for Wayne. No matter, I do think it's interesting now, and I don't like to comment on physical appearance too much, but it's just it's it's glaring here. We just talked to Amari Harwick uh, from Army of the Dead. Wayne could play a zombie in Army of the Dead with no makeup. Wow, zero makeup. It is shocking. Wow that this man is 38 years old. He could play a zombie with no makeup. He looks like the zombie version wow. of 2009 Wayne and that nigga look dead. <laughs> okay. He's got some color to his face, so I'm not going to let you do that. Right. He doesn't look lifeless. He might look <laughs> withered, All but right. not lifeless. Good for him, but, <laughs> but, but I'm just saying, man, y'all take care of yourself, man. <laughs> Before y'all all out here looking like some zombies. I'll take care of y'all. So I'll tell you what though. I'll say this. I'll say this though. Pound for pound, first of all, the rapper I've listened to the longest. I haven't listened to anybody longer than I've been listening to Lil Wayne. Mm-hmm. That's true. Mm-hmm. Uh mm-hmm. pound for pound, I say the most influential rapper that's ever lived. Wayne? The most influential rapper that has in your ever life or period lived. period from what i can tell the most influential the single way but it's really Define between, influence i'm Define. talking about all four okay first of all he changed there are a lot of rappers that come along and change the subject matter there are a lot of rappers that come along and change the sound there are a lot of rappers that come along and change the the style very few rappers have ever changed the subject matter the style i got you and the sound and the sound he like lil wayne the sound got different the subject matter changed and and the 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 style uh, the way people the style the The way people totally changed the style and then the way they dressed all the tight shit 
all of that stuff. That's Did all Wayne. That? All, really? Absolutely all Wayne. I don't, I don't, I, I'm, not, I'm not doubting you. I just never really put that together. All it just kind of happened. Wayne, the, the mm. crazy tattoos in the face, all of that stuff. Not saying guys didn't have mm. those before, but all of that stuff, just being a mainstream rapper with that. I got you. I got all you. All Wayne. It's so, a valid argument. Yeah. Right. What, whatever. Yeah. Like, to me, I would say the other guys in that situation are probably... These are the most influential rappers of all time to me. Tupac. Of course. Rakim. Okay. Kanye. I was going to put Kanye. Wayne. I'm going to throw another one out there. Lil' Kim. Of course. Lil' Kim. Lil' Kim for sure. Great list. Lil' Kim. Because Lil' Kim came with the hardcore... Uh, sexual stuff, and it's been about sucking dick ever since. So uh, I'm, just, I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm just well, being, right. I'm just being but you're real. Right. It's the, it's the way she, what she the rapped about, she did, the yep. way she dressed. Mm-hmm. Everybody's been emulating that ever since. You're correct. And by the way, when you're I say correct. rap, I mean, uh, oh, one more guy. I gotta include Snoop in there. Snoop too. Snoop, the Snoop brought a whole culture to people, so I gotta include Snoop too. Uh, he's the one that brought all the game back. What about LL? See, the, the only thing about LL is that LL was the style, the soft rap, the sing, you know what I mean? Maybe like so. nobody was maybe doing so. it before. Maybe, maybe so. And when I say this, I mean mainstream rappers. I'm not talking about the guys who yeah. who were super influential, the MF Dooms and the other people like that who Man, who I'm just happy I named somebody on the list that you agree with. I think That's, I'm really I, pr- I I'm think really proud of myself for LL, the LL comment. LL is a <laughs> titan of rap that does not get his just due. He was definitely definitely very influential. But what I'm saying the most influential rapper ever just in all facets of I, influence. I say it's Lil Wayne. You made your argument. I get it. I get it. Because I'm probably most familiar with Wayne on that whole list than anybody you said. Then probably next Kanye. So I get it. I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. All right. What's next? Right. What's next? It's a mailbag. It's a mailbag is next. Uh, Trudy, Trudy Joseph. Come on, man. Hurry up. <laughs> if, Joe, if, you ain't going to be talking to Trudy like that. Tr- you might have uh, done Trudy. Jackson that way. You're not going to do Trudy. 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 All together. Trudy. Okay, ready? No, no, is- well, first of all, Trudy, before you just jump into it, we got to give oh, time for you to run the song. Please cue the song now. Mailbag time. Time to read your letters and then we'll reply to them. Oh, it's mailbag time. Write us with your queries and we'll chime in. Thank you for the song, Trudy. If you don't mind, <laughs> people like the song. You like to listen to the song. Could you please get to the mailbag questions now? Thank you, Trudy. Okay, this is from Kellen. What's one thing on your bucket list? I don't have a bucket list, but peace. You know what's on my bucket list? I just want to have peace. <laughs> Let's do it. I just want peace. peace. Let's start naming those peace, freedom. Peace. Um, no, I'm being serious though. I don't reparations. Care. Um, hey, you know what? Fuck all of that. I just want, like, I'm just talking about for myself. I just want peace. I got you. I got you. I just want mental peace. What about you? I'll take my answers as well. Your answers I'll work. Take mine. Reparations. I know. I know. I know. Ooh, ooh. Trudy, next question. 
Okay, this is from Black Love 81 on Instagram. I didn't have a name. In your marriage or relationship, what is one thing that is non-negotiable? <sighs> There's nothing. Everything's negotiable. Um, no, honesty. Non-negotiable. Don't I mean, lie to me. People people lie. People do lie. Don't lie, but but I don't need you to lie to me. Nope. Non-negotiable. You would negotiate it. So what? So what she's telling me right now is if like Brian is late and he told you he was somewhere. So let me ask you a question. What if Brian then? This is why I don't want to play this game. Trudy's asking the questions, what, not you. Well, I'm saying, Go ahead, Trudy. Give us a nope, Brian, nope, if, nope. I'm not playing today. I'm not playing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next question from Kyle Claus. Which would you choose? Sharing half your food every time you eat out, or eating out alone forever? Sharing half my food when I eat out, right? I'll order or I'll order more. Half the food or eating out alone? First of all, Kyle Claus. God damn, this is coming from the North Pole. Kyle Claus. This nigga's this nigga's name is Kyle Claus. <laughs> his last name. Hold Don't on talk about Kyle. It's a his great last, question, Kyle. His last name is C L A U S. Sharing half your food. You know why he asked this question? Because he wants to know for when it's time for him to take over the reins at Santa Claus, <laughs> whether up. or not he has full reign to all the cookies on the plate or just half the cookies. We got the heir to the Santa Claus legend listening to higher learning. Kyle Claus. Martin, I don't even hear the Santa, name. <laughs> Santa Claus. Mrs. Claus, a Kyle. Where did he come from the North Pole? He came from the North Pole. This guy is crazy. Kyle Claus asking us questions. I love how Kyle Claus is trying to act like he's like a normal person. He probably has a job doing something that he likes. He does. Another movie idea. Really quickly. You've been really inspired this podcast with movie ideas. The movie is called Son of Santa. I feel like that exists. (laughs) This is a movie. Seriously. Santa Claus. All right. Santa Claus actually gets his powers of Santa Claus because he has to do that every single year as the protector of the earth. Every single year, he has to give presents to all the kids and all the all over because he inspires so much joy and that joy, the earth has to be. The earth has to have a significant amount of joy to stop these other people who are trying to invade. They're coming from a different realm. And it's like, a this jo- is literally elf. Just listen, <laughs> This is listen, elf. listen, there's something called a joy shield. And that's what's covering the earth. Goodwill. And if the joy shield comes down, this other invading force is going to be able to come in and take over the earth. So Santa Claus's job is to actually inspire so much joy on a yearly basis to keep the joy shield up, right? He has a son, Kyle, Kyle Kloss, okay? But he sends him out into the world so that the people from this other realm can't kill him, okay? Santa actually, unfortunately, we lose Santa. Unfortunately. Kyle, son son, son of Kloss, has to take up the mantle of Santa Claus and become Santa Claus and keep the joy shield up so these people okay. from this outer place can't come in and then take over the earth. Santa Claus is saving the earth. But now it's not about Santa. It's about Kyle, son of Santa. Can I tell you something? What? You can do better. 
Nah, I like you it. Can, you can do better. I like Go, it. Try again. Next week, next week, stay tuned for part two. Because like you it. could do better than that. I like I it. I know you can. I know son you of, can. Son of Santa. And for, at first, he's you know he's out. It sounds like a scary movie, though, nah, honestly. And that's, R- the, that's the direction you should have gone. You should have made this a scary movie. It's R-rated. And with picks up Kyle is in the club he's doing blow he's like like he's in the club he's they give it a little seriously that's how it picks up Santa because this this is the shot it goes from this is the shot I just put this just happened in my head this is the shot it goes from Santa's funeral and they're shoveling snow on Santa up in the North Pole right and it cuts to Kyle in One Oak like with with all of this he's he's I'm fucking raging, man. Yeah, Kyle, bro, you have such a tolerance. It's almost like you're, you're not. It's like you're not even human. You can do because he's not human. That's why he can do so. Because much he's son of Santa. Keep go, go, go to the. <laughs> you can do better. Like last it. one, Trudy. Last one. Last, last, last one. Kyle Claus, son of Santa. Oh, by the way, I didn't even answer the question. Uh, oh. I don't like sharing food, so. Yeah, we knew, you, we knew your yeah. answer. You'll just eat alone for the rest of your Son life. Of Santa. Okay, this is from Melissa Machiner. If you could live in another city or state, where would you go and why? I don't want to live nowhere else. Baton Rouge. Like, that's no. Baton Rouge in it's, LA. It's I, I'm just out of this country. Yeah. You know, I'm going to Canada. Somewhere else. Nigga, they racist up there too. I didn't say I was going to get a racism everywhere. is everywhere. Shout racism Canada, is everywhere. Though. I didn't say I, I didn't say I was going to a place where Canada. no racism. There's no racism. Thunder Anyways, Bay, Ontario. Fine. Go to, did I did I did I talk about Baton Rouge? No, I'll let you have your moment. Let me have mine. Thank you. You guys never you guys never passed through Baton Rouge when you were on the family. No, trek we didn't. We, <laughs> we there's not there's not I've been to Baton Rouge. Boy. But um you don't really pass through Baton Rouge. Nope. Nope. That's so crazy. No. I got to tell you, man. The judge is an amazing person. Everybody the else. Family trips? You still stuck th- on the family trips? Family trips to Disneyland, <laughs> Yosemite. He's like, load we up did, the We van didn't make it that way. And let's go to way. Dayton, Ohio. The Smoky Mountains, Tennessee. Oh, that's nice. Where else did we go? That's very nice. Um, Yeah, we did all that. One time we were driving through the streets, saw James Brown. Mm-hmm. My mom screamed, oh, Sam, stop the car. There goes James Brown. Ran out the car. You told and James me. Brown. Did I tell you this? Oh, you okay. This it's great. It's a great story. It's the okay. one worth right. well. retelling it again. <laughs> uh, so, uh, no, so no unexpected ally of the week this week. No, not one. No. Hell no. Don't have one yet. Yeah. Uh, uh, everybody is playing their positions until further notice. Uh, look, guys, I appreciate all the messages that you guys have been sending me. Um, I appreciate all the messages that you guys are uh, sending. Make sure that you follow uh, at Higher Learning on Instagram and Twitter. Okay? Mm-hmm, I would like to thank mm-hmm. our producers today, Donnie Beecham, Trudy Joseph, and Isaiah Blakely. Isaiah Blakely at The Ringer, who is the biggest Lakers fan that we have at, at The Ringer. Oh, one more thing before we go. I had teased on this episode oh, yeah. of the show that El Michael Rappaport, Michael Rappaport, was going to be on the show. Michael Rappaport is uh, filming a show that I think is going to be a great show. Love Beth with Amy Schumer. Uh, fantastic. It's going to be so funny. It's going to be so funny. It's going to be so great. So congratulations to everybody that's that's doing all of that. Uh, and he said that he could not make it. He said that he's going to make it in the future. 
Now, I took Mike on, you know, it's good faith that he was going to show up. And I'm sure, you know, if he's shooting with Amy, that he can't come out here and make it. Rachel, you had something to say about this. Rachel, no, Rachel got I don't something wanna, to I say. Don't have, I don't have a whole thing to say about this, but it's like, listen, this is the second time that we've tried to get Michael on the podcast. And it's not even us trying. It's not like, hey, we're sending out messages. And it's a no. It's a back and forth. He was supposed to come on during the Katie thing. I was texting with him. He was supposed to come on after you called him out on Instagram. He, he said he was coming. We announced it on the podcast, and he didn't. And I just find it hard that Michael can't find the time to record 15 minutes, 10, 15 minutes with us and talk about some of the things that he's expressed on social media. Um, you know, he's all about disruptive behavior. He doesn't seem to be one to shy away from a, of a conversation, of an argument. So I'm just a little confused as to why he doesn't want to have one here. That's all. That's all. Michael, we're waiting for you. Love to sit and talk to you. We got a lot to talk about. Come on. Talk about Mike. Come got on. A lot to talk about. All right. Well, it'll happen when it's supposed to happen. If it doesn't happen, we'll interview somebody else. Happens. All right. Uh, Thought Warriors, that's, that's enough it. for right now. Take think caps off, but do not stop learning. I am Van Lathan. I'm Rachel Lindsay. We out. Bye, guys.